It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. It is the Lockdown Bengals Podcast with your hosts, Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you. Hey there, Bengals fans, and welcome into another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Today, players report to Paul Brown Stadium. Zach Taylor has a press conference that we don't have any quotes from yet. Duke Tobin says, we're not going to trade up. A couple players visit the Bengals, and we're going to kick off a series of a, a, a tournament format. In the March Madness ended yesterday. In the spirit of March Madness, we have a bracket set up to determine who you, the Cincinnati Bengals fans, want the most at pick number 11 for the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, so we're going to see a bunch of, uh, you know, favorite matchups and favorite prospects come together, and every day we're going to eliminate. we we got to kick it off with a couple of matchups each day, and it should bring us right until the day before the NFL draft. We'll have who we think or who we want to be the pick at number 11. And speaking about the players showing up, it turns out that one of the strength coaches last night spoiled Zach Taylor's motto for the year, and I caught him on it. He's since deleted the tweet, but we all know what it is now. The motto for 2019 in Cincinnati is, quote, it's about us, which I don't know. I mean, <laughs> the, the context is all that matters is what's inside these walls. If we take care of business inside these walls, then we'll be able to achieve what we want to achieve. That's right. They're talking about you, Jake. You know that? They're talking I, about all the noise you create in the Bengals community that yeah. affects the team. And the team, the players should not worry about what you say out there and yep. attack you on Twitter. Yep. Are you talking about yourself there a little no, bit? No, I said Jake. I said you. I know, but that, I think that I mean, players, haven't, players haven't come after me. <laughs> a couple of players have come after you. Well, when they do, they either get released or replaced. So keep coming. <laughs> It's a curse to come after Joe Goodberry Bengals players. Be his friend, not his enemy. Exactly. That's and honestly, I don't think any Bengals players are listening to this. But if you are, we're rooting for all of you. <laughs> we are. Even if we're critical, we want the best for you. I promise. We don't want to turn this into that. But um, the, it's about us. Is is It's interesting. It's different. Um, I am glad that they are. 
I don't know how motivating that is. You know, if this was like you're at your job and your boss said, all right, guys, we've got a new slogan. We're going to put it up on the break room. It's about us. I just be like, what does that even mean? What's it, be fo- more focused on work and what we do in us? I, I don't know. I guess okay. I mean, but I, you AJ, know, I like run on your own gas type thing. I, that that to me yeah, is. Yeah, you you like Marvin Lewis slogans? I do. I think he had a couple good ones. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I didn't like any of them really. Maybe there were a couple that were okay. It doesn't really matter. AJ Green said that the the theme of the early meetings were was that of accountability. And I think this is in line with that, you know, focusing I can see on it that way. Yeah, yeah. I think it's, it's all about focus on your own stuff. Focus on your teammates, do your job, lift your teammates up, etc. There's some videos out there on Twitter, uh, on Cincinnati Bengals, Twitter, uh, Twitter account of players showing up for workouts. And I'm sure quotes will be coming out after the time of recording. We unfortunately are recording too early for the articles to be written but there was a press conference. Zach Taylor talked about his slogan, talked about how it's going. Said he said it feels like game day. So he's he's pumped, he's excited, and we'll probably get some news soon here about some of the health of the players, that sort of thing as well. Yep. Yeah. I mean, he should be excited. We're all excited. We're excited to see players together. You know, maybe we'll get some pictures of the new uh cosmetic additions they've done inside the stadium and locker room and and what was the other place in the weight uh, room? Yeah, the weight room. That's right. There in are some the pictures or videos or something out there of the weight room. So you can check that okay. out on Twitter. I, I think I it's will. on the Bengals account. Um, let's see. A couple of visits to talk about. Montez Sweat is one. And if you follow the draft closely, you would see that there has been increasing talk. Uh, it, was a, it was a guy that covers the Lions. Do you remember who it was? Scott Bischoff, was it? I, I don't recall. Somebody said essentially that Montez Sweat has character concerns and yeah. it wouldn't be surprised. He, he doesn't think the Lions will take him because he thinks they value character highly. And so couple this with Ja'Kai Polite. Rashawn Gary, who I don't think people necessarily think is a faller, but didn't have the production. So he might go a little bit later than some early prognosticators had him. They're looking at guys at the edge rusher position who might take a fall. Ja'Kai Blade and Montez Sweat specifically now. But Draymond Jones and Jalen Ferguson also, I would say, uh, have had some issues and also could be seen as value picks at some point based on either testing numbers that weren't uh, exactly what you want or Ferguson, you know, and, you know, different, different areas of concern. Right. The other visit, well, should we talk about Montez Sweat a little bit? He was a very yeah. productive player at Mississippi State. Mississippi State? That's right. Uh, doesn't bend is the big weakness in his athletic profile. And even then, you know, because he looks very linear, his athletic profile, his overall relative athletic score is very, very high. He's in the elite 97 percentile or whatever. Uh, he, right, his bend is the worst part of him. When you watch him on tape, he is very long, very powerful. He gets those hands inside you, and he controls his blocker. He is he's very similar to, I think, in how he wins to Carlos Dunlap. And if he can put on that same weight now, he's way he's, he's much lighter, obviously, than, than Dunlap is. And he's in the 250 range. If you remember Marantz's sweat, um, some even questioned if he was going to come in the come in even lighter at the combine. And he didn't. He kept his weight up. He ran very fast, tested well for the most part. And... Uh, I think he could definitely hold 265, 270, 275 even as he goes in later into his career. And if that's the case, 
could add even more power to his game because I do think he has powerful hands. And I was watching him at the Senior Bowl. There was plenty of rushes where, man, everyone kept going like, wow, length, wow, power in his hands. And he would control the guy in front of him so often. And he has crazy, like you said, he has very, very good athleticism. Ran a four four one, Crazy. At 260. We're trying to find linebackers that run 4 one We're trying to find corners that are run a 4 yeah. one Ran a four four one. Had outstanding vertical, three-foot vertical, ten, uh, more than 10-foot broad. That's so explosion. athleticism oozing. And on top of that, top run-stop percentage. Yeah. Of all edge players for pro football focus. So you talk about a guy who's in the Carlos Dunlap mold, maybe Michael Johnson mold to some degree yeah. in terms of setting the edge, powerful yep. hands, tall guys, 6'5", 35-inch arms. Mm-hmm. Exactly why I said the length so many times because yeah. it's, it's definitely uh, true for him. When I put my edge sheet together of, of the Bengals' his story since 2013, I have on here, even since it's different since 2010, it's they've – um, really try to get more athletic guys. They pretty much, I'm trying to look for the average player that they normally draft. Monta Sweat is smack dab on it and, and for things they like. Now he surpasses almost every category. So he doesn't, there's no uh, threshold that he fails to meet. He surpasses everything and he's right on on a few of them for, in terms of uh, uh, athletic testing like vertical and his height and weight and uh, his 20 shuttle. And there is talk that he might fall. There maybe, is because maybe of the character. Is, yeah, maybe this is a, a what? I mean, maybe it's Carlos Dunlap type pick. I've talked about this on the podcast with Jakai Polite, who might go, apparently, might might go even further down. And he's had, I think, bigger bigger red flags in terms of his athletic testing was very sure. poor. In, right. As, Say, in addition to his his interviews, take Jakai Polite and give him an an elite testing but yet he's had bad interviews i mean yeah. he would still end up going i think in the first round maybe you know early second but now jakai plays probably a, even later than that so we'll have to see what kind of hit this takes on montez sweat this is when we start to hear about um teams supposedly not liking a guy in interviews it's because he's making his rounds he's he's meeting with these teams and you know it starts to get leaked that they're either turned off by him or they love a guy yeah the other meeting to talk about today that we haven't talked about yet is Stanford receiver Trenton Irwin, so less hype than his teammate J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, who ran a 4.49 at the Stanford Pro Day. Irwin did not participate in the Pro Day due to a partially torn MCL, so we don't have athletic testing for him. What we know about him is he's a return specialist and a wide receiver. He is likely a late-round target. He was very good at catching the football. In 2018, he caught 60 of 76 passes thrown his way, which is a very high percentage, 79% catch percentage on his targets, and only had one drop. Yeah, he had some really good uh, production earlier until he's dealt with some injuries. 2016 seems like one of them. Uh, Some people use market share. We talked about it for analytics earlier, and especially when it comes to tackling linebackers' uh, market share. But in 2016, John Moore at Twitter, hello, John Moore, he was tracking Pac-12 market share leaders. And the top of those guys were Chad Hansen, who I want to say was a fifth round pick to the Jets. Juju Smith-Schuster at 30%. Obviously, we know who he is. And then Trenton Irwin was 29% on of Stanford. So 2016 seems like the year that he was uh, either going to break out or going or did and didn't sustain it. But because his numbers are, are decent when you look at him, he's caught over 150 balls in college, 1,700 yards. His average is about 11 yards per catch. So 
I wonder if he's a, a slack guy watching a quick couple quick videos of him to jog my memory. He just seemed like a um, an average athlete type slack guy that's going to make the tough catch. And you said he excelled at out routes, comebacks, and what was the other one? Slants. Slants, yeah. So typical, and it wasn't out routes, or I'm sorry, yes, you're right. Out routes, comebacks, slants, yes. So and, and really three routes. He was had over 100 quarterback rating when targeting him. The Bengals throw those routes a lot. At least they, they did. do. <laughs> they they did, did last right. year. They throw those routes a lot. Yep. A lot, a lot. So, you know, I don't know. I, 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 do you see a lot of those? in the, I, When I think of the Rams offense, I think more of those drags. Those, yep, those they're more, they're drags more horizontal. And, yeah. Yeah, interesting. Could be a return guy, though. I think it's a late-round target. I haven't seen any of Trenton Irwin's. Yeah, I think 22 punt returns over his career. That's not that many. No, Is it's kickoff not. kickoff returner? None. They don't really return kickoffs in college anymore. You, f- you fair catch it inside the 20 and you get right. it on the 25. Or, uh, that's a weird rule. Uh, so the, the big strengths for Irwin are his drop rate. We, we talked about a few routes that he's excelled at. He's, he looks like a solid player, but nobody that you're, you're really prioritizing. But worth noting the name, at least, because the Bengals are hosting him for a top 30 visit. Speaking of top 30 visits, I think Rashawn Gary I saw is in Cincinnati today for his top 30 visit. And he will be featured in our Who Do You Want the Bengals to Pick at 11 series. Last thing we'll talk about before we get to the first two contests for that series are a few quotes from Duke Tobin that surfaced. Uh, I saw this on Cincy Jungle. It looks like the Cincinnati Inquirer spoke with Duke Tobin and asked him about trading up. And Duke Tobin's response is essentially that you only trade up if you find somebody who is going to change your franchise, totally change your team are his words. And he says, it's hard to convince yourself it's worth giving up the players you have to give up to do that. Unless it's somebody that can totally change your team. He thinks there are enough good players who can get to 11 and get what he wants in the draft without having to move up. So I think what this, this essentially says is you only move up for a quarterback yeah. Or an all-world type like a J.J. Watt or an Aaron Donald who you feel really, you know, I don't know. I don't even know if you would ever for a defensive player, but it sounds because like... Because both of those guys didn't... It's not like those guys got picked top five or anything either. No. So. Well, yeah, that's that's also true. The all-world defensive guys don't seem to get picked early. Yep. Well, they, they're picked in the first round, but you know what I mean. Yep. Um, yep. So he doesn't see a quarterback worth trading up for in this year's draft. That's my takeaway. Unless he's saying it as if... Uh, you know, the, it would better be a quarterback that's going to change our franchise, which that would, you know, if you were to move up and, and draft a quarterback. So I don't think they, we, you know, I think this is more of a general question anyways. I didn't know that we sh- it should be taken as this year specifically. I didn't know how it was asked and what type of setting and how he delivered it. Just reading the, te- the text. But, uh, you know, they don't normally trade up anywhere in the draft, especially, especially in, in first round. So I, I think there is some... Uh, room for discussion of why don't you trade up in the second and third more often because I think that's when it gets a little cheaper this year with all the six-round picks even though they're not worth much and I wanted to lead to this because I see a lot of questions like how many how many six-round picks would it take to move up 20 spots in the third round and I'm like all most of them. of them all of them right <laughs> it would and no one wants a handful of six-round picks so it's a very hard uh, thing to pull off you're still gonna have to lose a fourth or fifth rounder and then throw in some six to move up yeah, you're going to use your six to move up either a couple spots in the third round, maybe five spots in the fourth round, and that's using two six. You can use your six. You can package you know, your first six and a late six to get back into the fifth, maybe, but they're not worth much. And like, like you said, yeah, nobody wants three six-round picks. Right. 
even if that equates on the value chart, everyone's like, I want, you know, the sixth round pick is a throw in the sweetener. I love the sixth round picks when we're doing the mock draft, but it's just, man, because I always feel like we can get the value. Instead, I feel like the Bengals instead will use them to draft Trenton Irwin and guys like that. But maybe they'll draft George Iloka. That was fifth round. Maybe they'll draft. Yeah, no, Barbie yeah. Jones was fifth round. George they were. No. They had three fifth round picks, one for Keith Rivers, one for Chad Ochocinco. They took Sean Prater, George Iloka, and Marvin Jones. I guess I should know better than to question you on topics of the draft. You did a poll for the best six round picks the Bengals have ever had. And and let's just lay it out for the listeners. Yeah, it was. uh, And this is the best. So don't get shocked when I say it. But it was Cody Core, Tab Perry, Bernard Scott and Rex Burkhead. Rex Burkhead won with 69 percent of the votes on nearly 3000 votes. But I would say Bernard Scott was a pretty good pick, too. He was. He was in fact, he had way more yards and and touches in production for the Bengals than, than Rex Burkhead ever did. Yeah, he. we've talked about Rex Burkhead's use. Yeah, Bernard so. Scott with the Bengals, 255 carries, 1,035 yards of the 4.1 average, four touchdowns, 29 receptions for 165 yards. He also had 73 kick returns at a 24.5 average in that one big touchdown uh, against the Steelers when Quan Cosby was out there blocking guys. You remember that one? Yeah, I do. Meanwhile, Rex Burkhead, in, in comparison, only had 87 carries. So 255 versus 87 for 375 yards. So uh, um, 1,000 yards versus 400 yards. But he did have 34 receptions for 288 yards and four total touchdowns. And he also played special teams. Scott was such a big upside guy. I remember. I remember round. Abilene Christian, you know? Yeah, well, but he crushed it at Abilene Christian. Like, he was way Perfect. out of, way, way higher than that competition. He was the MVP, level. right? Of yeah. that. Whatever that Heisman Trophy is, and for that uh, yeah. D two, he won it. And he had and he had character concerns too, right? And that's yep. why he went a little bit later. That's why he ended up at Abilene Christian, I believe. Oh yeah, okay. So don't have super high hopes. Right. I think here <laughs> is, is I mean, for any team in the NFL draft in the sixth round, it's hard. It's very hard to find Tom good Brady. players in the sixth round. Tom Brady's happened once in twenty years. Exactly. I'm with you. All right, let's take a quick break and we'll come back to talk about the first two rounds of the Locked On Bengals Mock Madness series. This is David Harrison of the Locked On Commanders podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Discover. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hi, I'm Jake from Locked On. Think of all the amazing things in life that are expressions of you. Your favorite football team, what you wear to the playoff watch party, that song that you stream over and over to get you pumped up for the gym, or the recommendations that you share with your friends on the top six comedy podcasts that are best to listen to on a long road trip, or even your new haircut, which may or may not be an epic ball cut from the 90s and hopefully is. Everything that makes you, you makes all the difference. State Farm believes insurance should work the same way. Your plan, your coverage selections can be personalized by you. And the ability to choose the plan you want by picking the options that fit you, like choosing to bundle your home and auto policies, is what the State Farm Personal Price Plan is all about. Getting the coverage you want at an affordable price just for you. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. 
Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Lockdown Bengals podcast. We are starting a series that should end day one of the draft and give us an idea of who the Bengals, who we want the Bengals to draft as a collective fan base, as a community, and hopefully get some fun matchups along the way. We're going to do a bracket style, starting with two matchups today, two matchups tomorrow. That should get us right on the time frame to end it right as the draft kicks off. Uh, And our first bracket here is our first number one versus 16 seed. And we didn't really seed it by strength of, of the player or by uh, how often they're mocked or, or the likelihood of them being there. We wanted to get some good matchups and eliminate some of these head-to-head decisions that are probably going to come up when the Bengals are on the clock or even in the war room leading up to the draft. And then uh, examples like, um, uh, well, who would we take if it's Cleveland Farrell or Brian Burns, right? Who would we take if it's Drew Locke versus versus uh, Dwayne Haskins? So it'll allow us to put up a Twitter poll on Lockdown Bengals. So go on Twitter, find Lockdown Bengals. Uh, every day we're going to put up the polls, vote on, vote on them, and we'll decide who moves on, how that moves on based on your uh, selections and the, the community as a whole. And we'll see who's left standing at the end. I think we'll get some fun matchups and some interesting debates on different players and, and different positions once the first round goes through. First first matchup today, and I think this is probably going to be a fairly easy one, but one that we've kind of debated and actually had a little – I question, had sent in some questions to Jeff Hobson at, at his Hob, Hobson Choice on Bengals.com, really trying to allude to this very question. And it's Ed Oliver – defensive tackle out of Houston versus Christian Wilkins, defensive tackle out of Clemson. And I think this might actually be closer than our listeners have been led to believe because we've hyped up Ed Oliver so much. And I think rightly so. I think the two of us, if presented this choice, would prefer Ed Oliver over Christian Wilkins, uh, mostly because I think of of the burst and the comparison to Geno Atkins, Aaron Donald. And when you see his productivity, when you take out his nose tackle snaps, especially, it it looks really, really good. And and he was probably misused a little bit at Houston. But Christian Wilkins is not a slouch in any any means. He outgraded at Oliver in 2018 for Pro Football Focus, a better pass rushing grade. And again, if if you take out the... The nose tackle snaps for Ed Oliver looks a little bit better, but better pass rushing grade and essentially the same run defense grade. 
Ed Oliver has a bit of a better track record as a run defender, uh, and Christian Wilkins and Ed Oliver both took huge leaps as pass rushers from 17 to 18. Uh, better size for Christian Wilkins. He's a little bit taller, but has 30 pounds or so on Ed Oliver, which matters uh, to yeah. NFL teams especially. We don't have production score yet for Ed Oliver, but Christian Wilkins has kind of a... And what, what do you know what the thresholds are for defensive tackle offhand? Uh, they're fairly low in terms of thresholds, but uh, the solo tackle market share and tackle for loss has a yeah. big impact. So Christian Wilkins has a production score of 61. We don't have that Which all is average yet. starter range. Yeah. Okay. Good to know. He has a very good relative athletic score of 8.51. Really good size. So the thing is with him, he's he's got... He checks a lot of boxes, and so I, I'm, I'm talking up Christian Wilkins here because we haven't talked about him a ton, except for when we talked about Jeff Hobson, because Jeff Hobson really likes him. But And one thing also that Hobson mentions in his article, too, in the response to me, was the arm length of uh, of Ed Oliver, and I thought that was interesting, because I'm like, well, what, do mean, what do you mean arm length? Uh, Geno Atkins has short arms. But I go and look at their trends and trying to find their thresholds at defensive tackle, and they have not drafted any defensive tackle under 33-inch arms since Geno Atkins. And that was in the fourth round. And really, even before that, it really wasn't too many guys even in that range. Geno Atkins is the outlier. In fact, trying to formulate a, a strong threshold here, Atkins wouldn't count because he's an outlier and such a strong outlier. They've drafted one guy with 33. Everyone else has been 33.5, 33 and a quarter. It's been 33-plus. And that would take Ed Oliver out of the discussion. We'd also take Christian Wilkins out of the discussion. 32 and a half inch arms. Woo. So even then they, they might uh, do an exception for him, huh? They might. He, he, he's definitely, he doesn't have the height. He's not like six, six. Like some of these guys are that you could, you could see But six, three, I think is pretty good height for their average tackle. is six, two, three Oh three. Yeah. 33.3 inch arms. So longer arms, but Christian Wilkins is, is a little bit taller and weighs a little bit more. Uh, what I wanted to say though was, Christian Wilkins is second in pro football focuses pass rush productivity rankings and second in their run stop percentage rankings for all defensive tackles in college yeah. football. So Productive. really, really strong productivity scores there in productivity indicators from pro football focus, really strong grading as a senior was a three year starter and really came into his own big time as a senior. Would you be upset if that's the pick? I think the board has, has shaken out a few times when we've done things. And I think being on draft networks podcast, um, I'm sorry, the um, the NFL Draft Lockdown podcast, when they got me in that scenario, it was really Devin Bush, a couple other guys, and I mentioned Christian Wilkins also because, I mean, he was right on the cusp there. It could, I could see a scenario where he is the pick at 11. I could see a scenario where if they were enticed to trade down to 15-16, and he's definitely the pick. Yeah, I think there's certainly a world where he's a pick, and that's if linebackers are gone. And, and he might even be higher on their board than Devin Bush is, if, or, or Devin White, whichever one you like more. He might be above one of the linebackers. They might have one linebacker first and, and then other players in between the two. I can't remember. Oh, I know what mock it is, and we can't talk about it yet. But Devin White and Devin Bush, remember, Bush went to the Broncos at 10. Remember that scenario? Um, and we, we looked at it in hindsight, but we can't talk about it too much yet on who we picked. Yeah, at, we don't want to you know, at, Right. But both linebackers were gone before we before the eleventh pick. Yeah, with with Buffalo and Denver drafting right before the Bengals, there's a world where the guys you want and and quarterbacks going early too. There's a world in which the quarterbacks are gone, the linebackers are gone, 
And then you're questioning, all right, am I taking a tight end? Am I taking another defensive tackle? Am I trading back? What am I doing here? And and that's right. the world where you look at Christian Wilkins and say, you know what? He was very, very productive. Good Tested team. well. Tested well. Maybe, maybe he's the right guy. Yeah. And Oliver, and I, on the other hand, we've talked a lot about. Yeah, freak. And freak athlete and super strong um, is going to have to – you're going to have to feel comfortable breaking – traditional norms for the defensive tackle spot uh, i think because donald has been such a dominant force in the league it makes us uh, it makes it an easier pill to swallow but i don't think that necessarily means that's true for nfl teams or not every nfl team for sure and Bengals may be one of those teams that after looking at their uh draft history yeah so ed oliver we've talked a lot about his productivity a lot about his athleticism he he's a guy that i think tested out as like he would be an average corner Right. Or his relative athletic score. That, that's how athletic this guy is. Do you remember the early um, reports that teams may be interested yeah. in him playing linebacker? Yeah. And that's why. Because he would probably be a, a freak 3-4 outside linebacker. He'd be fine if you asked him right. to stand up. <laughs> and, and you could ask him to stand up. So that's one of the beauties of it, Oliver, too, in the Cincinnati Bengals defense is you could put him at edge if you wanted to. Uh, especially in base packages, I think. And, and yep. he's definitely a nickel interior pass rusher for oh, sure. I- I would love the, ty- the 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 tackle end stunts with Atkins and uh, do it double on, on each side, and you got Atkins yeah. and Oliver coming around the outside while both ends go inside. Imagine them coming around, man. And it would work and fast. They would have the personnel for it. Yeah. And, and Christian Wilkins, he's he's a heavier guy. He's still pretty athletic, but he's not explosive. He doesn't have the explosive quick he's, quick speed. He's not elite. He's a good athlete. He doesn't. He doesn't have like the four four forty. I don't know what did Ella, what what did Ed Oliver run for his forty? It was something stupid. It was stupid. Four. I want to say seven. Uh, or four six. Four six six. It was. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was the unofficial time. I think they adjusted it to four seven and, one. And, and Christian Wilkins is a five five flat kind of guy. So right, which is good. Gonna, but... It's it's good. It's fine. It's he Christian Wilkins is a very good athlete, but you're not going to run him around the edge the way you can it's run funny. Ed Oliver around the edge. Yeah, the Bengals typically want an athletic defensive tackle pick too. It's uh, their their average pick for the forty is a five oh two. So they draft speed at defensive tackle when they do it. Yeah. So that's our first one is Ed Oliver versus Christian Wilkins. Yep. Don't let yourselves be too polluted by all of our hype for Ed Oliver. If you want to vote for Christian Wilkins, feel empowered to do so at the same time. Stay true Cinderella to your board. story. We love Cinderella stories. We love uh, underdog battles. Yeah. So let's see. Although how I don't expect this to be close. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so when you're voting for this, this is a player that you want. So don't necessarily vote because like, oh, Ed Oliver is for sure going to be gone. So I'm going to pick Christian Wilkins here. Don't, don't think of it that way. We're trying to figure out who you want out of guys that are potentially realistic targets, who you want the most. Yeah, and you could vote if you really felt like, no, the Bengals won't take this guy. He'll, they'll take this guy. Then feel, feel free to vote That's that fine. way, yeah. too. It's up to you. For sure. Um, and then the next bracket, the next battle for today is both Iowa tight ends going against each other. We have TJ Hawkinson as a sixth seed. Noah Fant is an 11th seed. Again, the seeds are loose, but this is the matchup for, for today. Uh, both highly productive, very athletic guys. Noah Fant tested like a freak. Hawkinson was a little bit more productive. Hawkinson's a little bit better blocker. Uh, honestly, I you if you give me either one of these guys, I'm going to be happy and excited. I think this is the interesting one of our of our first day battle and see who people want. Do you want the more steady guy or do you want that upside freak that could really change your offense? And people say that 
TJ Hawkinson is a better blocker, and he certainly was in 2018, and he flashed some insane blocking ability in 2018, but Noah Fant has the size to do it and has the athleticism to do it. So it's not to say that Noah Fant can't be a blocker, and if you average out their blocking grades from pro pro football focus over the last two years, it's actually really close. 69 for Hawkinson versus 67 for Fant. So yes, there's probably a more refined blocker coming out for Hawkinson, but Fant can do it. It's not to say that he can't. The other thing with Fant is he's he they're both very good athletes, but Fant is a, an absolute freak athlete at the position, whereas Hawkinson is an elite athlete. Yeah. Similar size, 6'4, 250 for the both of them, give or take. Um Hawkinson has a slightly better production score. Uh you could say that Fant has some drop issues, which is is kind of a flag for him, I suppose. He had a nine point three percent drop rate, which is pretty poor, I would say, whereas Hawkinson had a 2% drop rate, which is pretty good. So you can question his hands. If you actually, if you go look at the combine when he ran the gauntlet, he had a couple of drops, I think, and he doesn't necessarily look like the most natural catcher of the football, but he's faster. He, he He's he's clearly a better athlete. Yeah, he's got some Eric Ebron, Jermaine Gresham, and I put those two together, even though Ebron just had a crazy year, uh, because those guys... Big tight ends can often have an issue where they fight the ball into their hands. They don't trust it completely. They're not either you're a former receiver or you've always been big and clunky and they've tried to play you at defensive end and and right tackle in high school and other things like that. And sometimes you see that with those guys. And I think Fant falls in that category where sometimes he just has a weird drop. And but that's not not the biggest knock for him because he is going to be a freak guy that's going to get open so often and not be in contested situations all the time. Uh, but for me, looking at him and stats wise, also uh, I was listening to a, a Iowa Hawkeye writer and he was saying how really he was surprised by Hawk- Hawkinson's last year. He showed at the end of 2000, I want to say 17 uh, progression and, and became a really solid number two guy. He was at 24 catches that year, 320 yards and three touchdowns. So it looked like a really good number two tight end, but he said the light bulb clicked. He had a moment and he showed up to the next year's spring game was killing people in the blocking, just exerting his, his power, exerting his, his will on whoever he wanted in front of him became a dominant blocker, dominant receiver. And this past year he went up to 49 receptions, 760 yards, six touchdowns, a 15.5 average. In comparison, to Noah Fant, he outreceived him. Fant had 39 receptions, 400. I mean, 519 yards, seven touchdowns. But the thing is, the year, previous year Fant was also really good. 30 receptions, 494 yards, and 11 touchdowns. He was a huge red zone threat. Two years, 13.3 average, 16.5 average. If there's a correlation from college production to NFL production, that yards per catch average at tight end is very key. Mm-hmm. And if you ask the draft network, just because we've, I think, talked about Hawkinson as our top tight end in the draft, we've, we've given lip service to, to Noah Fant, but if you were to ask the draft network who their top tight end is, it's, it's Fant by a fair margin, I think. And they're both, they're both very good players, but they have Fant on, an, on a top 10 grade and they have Hawkinson on a round one grade. And I think that could get, that could play out the way the draft may work. I could see a team fall in love with with Fant and his upside and and who he can be and who he is really he's a good player uh I just mean you know a team uh, takes him top 12 top 10 even and Hawkinson maybe is goes between 15 and 25 which I think makes a lot of sense to me so that is the overview for the two 
positions you can vote for. It'll be Ed Oliver versus Christian Wilkins and Noah Fant versus TJ Hawkinson. Who do you want at 11? And then eventually we'll whittle it down to a championship tilt and we'll see who you want the most. Lockdown Bengals Twitter's pick for the Bengals in Mock Draft Mania. Madness. Uh, Quickly, before we wrap up then, the preseason schedule's out. This came out late in recording today. Uh, week one at Kansas City, week two at Washington. So two straight games on the road to start the preseason. One of them against Eric Bieniemy, who was going to potentially be a head coaching candidate for the Cincinnati Bengals. Also a team that absolutely whipped the Bengals last year. So preseason game one, you'll get a couple of drives maybe from starters, maybe not. Week three, they host the New York Giants and whoever their quarterback is, probably Eli Manning, I guess. Uh, that, that'll be your three-quarter test for Zach Taylor's team. And then as is the custom, week four against Indianapolis in the, what is it, I-74 scrimmage or something? Is that what they call it? But it always ends with the Colts, week four. Remember yeah, last always. year? It, was it last year? Yeah. Week four was the Colts in preseason. Week one yeah. was the Colts. Which is weird. Like they, they play the Colts because it's geographically convenient and it's like an hour and a half drive. And so it's really easy for the teams to, to get together and do it that way. But yeah, then they played the Colts in week one last year. That was a weird one. And then they beat them. And then the Colts went on to, to go to the playoffs afterwards. So that might be the best team the Bengals even, even beat last year in retrospect. Regardless, the preseason schedule's out so you can get your tickets if you want to go to that home game against the New York Giants. Unfortunately, I guess there will be only one home game for the Bengals where there are significant starters playing. So you don't get the week two game at home, but you do get the three quarters of the week three game against the New York Giants. That'll do it for the Lockdown Bengals podcast today. We'll be back again tomorrow as always. Have a good one, Bengals fans. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.